0: to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on
1: liveparanormal.com.
0: Bill Murphy of sci-fi channel Sacrifice Paranormal Files wishing Sophia Tipperelli congratulations on her second year as ghost host on LiveParanormal.com. This
2: is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli weekly 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. on LiveParanormal.com. Hey, this is Jason Gates of Haunted Collector, and I just wanted to say congratulations to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, for celebrating over two years in broadcasting
0: on LiveParanormal.com.
1: Hi, this is Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to the Ghost Host. Sophia Temporelli
0: on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. Hey, this is Zach Bagans
2: from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the Ghost Post, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com.
3: Today we have born Patrick Allen Lilly. We have All come to know the actor Butch Patrick as the lovable character Eddie Munster from the classic 60s hit series, The Munsters, which is still syndicated globally today. Currently, Butch Patrick is in production of the Make-In Project documentary regarding the haunting of his grandmother's early Victorian mansion, where he and his sister Michelle spent much time in their childhood. So, Dad, let's bring Butch Patrick into the show.
0: Hello. How are you?
3: So, Mr. Patrick, to start off, how many boys initially auditioned for the role of Eddie Munster for the show?
0: You know, I was actually living in the Midwest with my grandmother at the time, but I was told there was several hundred.
3: Wow, that's wow. a lot.
0: Yeah, I was lucky. They uh, they had narrowed it. They, they had actually hired someone to do it, and they weren't happy with the kid named Happy. His name was Happy German. And a woman named Joan Marshall was playing the character, the mother character, as Phoebe. And at the last minute, they brought in myself and Yvonne Carlo to do a screen test. They flew me out directly for a screen test. And uh, they straight up, they, they hired us both on the spot, and then they altered the uh, the cast at the last second. Wow. So yeah, really.
3: My <laughs> All my family was wondering, do you have the original um, Wolfie doll to this day?
0: No, I had him, I got him, I was out of the studio about seven years after the Munsters doing an Ironside, and the prop master came up and gave him to me, and I took him home, and then I didn't take very good care of him, and he, uh, he sort of fell apart, and then we made a mold to recreate him, and I have that original with armature body to where he's posable, and um, we actually sold 93 of the uh, aftermarket dolls to collectors over a 20-year period, but I have the, uh, the one that was the, the original mold from the original. So it's kind of like oh, the only wow. around.
3: When not filming on the set for the Munsters, what places did you like to explore around the backstages of the studio wall? And what cool sets and shows did you see in production at the time?
0: Oh, gosh, there was quite a few. There was, a lot, it was actually a lot of movies going on. There was a few Western series, and there was this and there was that. But mostly there were features, feature films being produced out there. And they would last about three months, and then they would do another one and another one. So you figure 30 sound stages with uh, four movies per year. So that's 100. There must have been a few hundred movies shot while I was there. And um, the few that I remember, there was the next door neighbor. There was one called Torn Curtain, which I believe was an Alfred Hitchcock movie with uh, Paul Newman in it. And then there was L. Sid with Charlton Heston. I saw him walking around quite often. Um, but over the over, you know, most of the time I was just the uh, working, and when I would get a chance to go exploring, I would go down to the uh, McHale's Navy Lagoon. They were doing a series called McHale's Navy, which is very popular, and then I would go to the Western sets, the Virginian, uh, Wagon Train, and a few other sets were also uh, available to me. That's fun. Wow. Ernie Borgnine was very sweet, and Tim Conway and Joe Flynn and the whole crew. Uh, there was a lot of people on the set. There was a lot of uh, on the studio lot at that time, a lot of activity.
3: So, from the cast of the Munsters, including you, who took the longest time in makeup? I would think you'd be Herman.
0: You are correct. He was two hours a day in the morning and then many touch-ups throughout the day.
3: A lot of makeup. So, <laughs> tell us about Fred Gwynn, Yvonne DiCarlo, Grandpa Al Lewis, and Pat Priest on and off the Munster set.
0: Well, um, I didn't really see him too much off the set. We would all meet. On the lot and work, and then they would go their separate ways. But while we were working together, Fred was uh, very talented, kind of a, a, a reserved, quiet kind of guy who loved to play music and sketch and uh, went about his business. Al Lewis was a very out, out, um, outgoing person. Personality. They both enjoyed sports. Uh, Al was a huge, uh, huge basketball fan. He uh, would uh, scout talent for NBA teams. Um, Yvonne DiCarlo was pretty much uh, a mother you know, and a, and a movie star. She was probably the biggest name on the show. Uh, Pat Priest, who came in as Marilyn after the first 13 episodes, uh, had children herself. She, was, um, she had kind of an interesting life herself before she became an actress. Her mother was treasurer of the United States back in the 50s, so Pat spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. with uh, right. Eisenhower. Well, wow. and, so, and you still like see her at events and conventions, right? Yeah, we. I was we just with her last weekend in Salt Lake City. Pat and I are very close. I visited her in Idaho at her home. Uh, we, you know, like I say, we're 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 friends uh, first and foremost, and occasionally we do uh, appearances together.
3: So, Mr. Patrick, what is the status of your upcoming book, Munster Memories, that you are currently composing, and what can we expect from the work?
0: Well, it's. Mostly about what the show has meant to people on many levels. Uh, the fan appreciation is one factor, uh, how many people enjoyed it, why they enjoyed it. Another factor is the collectibles, the people who have been collecting Munster memorabilia over the years, and the super collectors. We have okay. um, we have some segments in there regarding, and some chapters regarding the uh, hot rods and car clubs and people that were inspired to open car clubs and have hot rods because we have the show, uh, with the first hot rug on TV. Uh, mostly, though, it is all about the, the friendly fans and the appreciation of what people have come up, why they enjoy the show, why they watch, like watching it with their children and their grandchildren today, that it's got a very good moral fiber, and it brings back fond memories of a time long gone by.
3: What is it like when you watch the shows on a run to see yourself on TV?
0: Uh, it's like really good home movies. <laughs> oh, right. And, uh, yeah. yeah, well, it, it is because it's something that I've seen all my life, and people like to show them, and they like to you know, relive them, and they're always asking questions regarding certain episodes and certain things they like. So it's never really gone far from my memory because it's always been uh, rekindled through uh, stories and uh, references from people. The one thing that's really interesting about the 60s in general was um, it was a very interesting decade, and even today students in school and college are learning about the 60s because it had such social impact on the world, you know, not only music and television, but uh, civil rights in America, and just a lot of things happened in the 60s. It's a very big decade to be part of, you know, for me anyway, and for the world. But the interesting thing about it is thousands and thousands of television shows have been produced you know, throughout the years, and to be on a show that was unique in itself just because of the makeup and the the way it was done, but also to be one of the more popular, maybe 20 or 30 most popular shows of all time is, is a huge um, honor, and the fact that it was only right. on two years, it was only on two years, and yet 50 years later, they still... They still sell every year. There's new uh, licenses issued for toys and T-shirts and memorabilia. So the staying power of this little two-year show is is phenomenal.
3: You own the title Monsters.com. What can we expect from visiting the site?
0: It's a very simple site. It's a, it's, it's it's there's not a whole there's not a whole lot to it. It's a it's there's information regarding the cast. There's uh, I put a blog on there. Uh, I try to do it weekly, maybe bi-weekly. Uh, and then there's also my schedule for when I'm out and about. There's a, there's a Munster store for people that would like to purchase things. And I'm working on it now with the, with the book coming out. It's going to become more interactive uh, as I start doing more things as well. So, But it's, I've owned it for a long time. It's basically for an entry-level person that doesn't know much about the Munsters, it's a great place to go get some information and do a little background and references and stuff and some information for people.
3: Well, my dad received a question from an audience member, Scott, before the show. He asked if you are friends with other child actors, such as Brandon Cruz of The Courtship of Eddie's Father, Danny Bonaduce of The Partridge Family, and Bill Mooney of Lost in Space. So do you keep in touch with many from that work era today?
0: I keep in touch with Brandon quite often. I've known Brandon since 1969. We did a movie together with Wayne Newton. Uh, called 80 Steps to Jonah. We became friends. I was 15. He was about eight years old, I think, at that time. Uh, Danny Bonaducci I see occasionally, not too often, but once in a while I'll do his radio show. Bill Mooney I see pretty often. Bill's a good friend, and I see him occasionally. He's out in the West Coast, where I live. I uh, saw him at a show maybe two or three weeks ago, and I'm probably going to have dinner with him in the next couple days. So, yeah, I see Bill and uh, wow. his, his lovely wife, Eileen, Uh, Brandon and I both work with the sober community because he's a counselor at Beverly Hills 180, and I've been sober over three and a half years myself, so I work with the Oasis Treatment Center, and he works with another one in Beverly Hills. So we have similar stories about getting out there in the 60s and running amok with uh, our uh, addiction issues and both getting better late in life, so that's a good thing. Paul, congratulations. Thank you.
3: In 1982, how did it come about that you performed the his song music video, Whatever Happened to Eddie, on a very new network at the time called MTV?
0: Uh, at that particular time, I knew a friend who was a musician who actually lived with Stuart Copeland in Europe for years before the police, and he wanted to do rock videos. I wanted to get into rock videos, so we decided to take his, uh, his <laughs> production's talents and my production talents we wrote some lyrics to the monsters theme called whatever happened to eddie we produced a video and then we basically got it on mtv without a record contract back in the day when that was very unusual and as a matter of fact we were the first unsigned act ever to be on mtv so we were proud of that from that idea they started doing a show called the basement tapes which showcased unsigned talents Doing basically their own um, production videos to music, so a lot of people got some exposure, and hopefully, I'd like to think that some some careers were launched from our idea.
3: Kyle, you um, you were not allowed to go near the basement of your grandmother's early Victorian home when staying there. What paranormal experiences did your sister Michelle let you know about in the home, and what did what formed the activity there or the and it, did it reveal itself?
0: It did to my sister. I was uh, basically outside most of the time either fishing with my grandfather or going hunting or hanging around with my friends. I was in the, I was in the eighth grade at the time, so I was like a 13-year-old kid spending a lot of time out, out and about in a small town. Michelle, on the other hand, spent a lot of time with my grandma inside the house. Uh, my grandma had a, a huge antique collection, and she was a, uh, a businesswoman in that respect, so they spent a lot of time together. And Michelle was always fascinated with skeleton keys and this and that because her company is actually called Keys to My Castle. But she saw a woman, I think in her, the way she describes her uh, on the sizzle reel, is in her early 30s uh, in white, long braided hair, and always hovering and handing her around the stairway, which I believe is where she died. And I believe she died somewhere in the early 1900s is the case. And I never saw anybody, I never saw a ghost, but Michelle did several times. And I suppose my, I think my grandmother saw her too.
3: So clairvoyant and paranormal researcher Bonnie Venn and other field investigative teams have conducted sessions within the residence and documentation productions. What has been the conclusion in their findings and evidential captures so far?
0: A couple of things that occurred. Bonnie actually hasn't been to the property as of yet. She's going to get there. We had a gentleman named Michael Lynch come in from St. Louis with his cameras and his uh, meters and all his equipment, found 13 entities, was very excited, uh, did the sizzle reel. I don't know if you saw the YouTube sizzle reel on the Macon house with me and my sister yeah. and, uh, for- and the former owner and Bonnie. Um, we had some local people come in and, and ask permission to do some research, which we have agreed and what they did is and the two interesting things that I found were the ping pong ball on the windowsill that basically moved, but moved in such a manner to where it had to be lifted and replaced. It just didn't roll because they had marked the spot on the ball where if it, had, if it had rolled, the spot would have been up high. And as opposed to the way they did it, it was down low. So it showed that somebody had physically removed it and replaced it, not just the wind rolling it across the windowsill. And then number two, that same day, it was a mid-90-degree day, and the temperature never wavered from 63 to 64 degrees on the porch all day long. Wow.
2: So, um, well, I, I have to do my, my part, too. I always get wrapped up in the guests and everything. Yeah, this is the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Our like guest today, uh, Butch Patrick of uh, Eddie Munster, as we all know, and uh, of the classic series of the monsters. this uh, again on liveparanormal.com the ghost host show with Sophia Temporelli we're gonna take a quick commercial break come right back with uh, and uh, for the late edition of the show and um, yeah can't wait and uh, we'll be right back
0: Woo! hi this is Dustin Perry the paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to the ghost Coast with the most Sophia Temporelli only on live paranormal Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30-odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite
2: paranormal books, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia on LiveParanormal.com.
0: Boom. Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli on LiveParanormal.com. This is Team Investigators, Ever, Frank, Steve,
2: Candy, Jessica, from California Ghost Chases. and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli on LiveParanormal.com.
3: This is author
1: Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to ghost host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to the ghost host with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com.
2: Hey, we yeah. have a surprise for we have a surprise for you too. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Let me bring her on. Let's see, Michelle, is that you?
1: Yes, this is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Oh, oh, you, hi,
0: I Michelle. you? <laughs> hi,
1: hi, hi. It's,
0: there's my sister who sees the ghosts. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What did What did you actually see? A full figural apparition? Was it pictured
0: images?
1: no she was she was all there. She was a um, very petite woman dressed in a long dress uh long hair um, i she looked sad. that was always what I told my grandmother when I saw her that she looked sad, not at all menacing or scary, just sad.
0: Oh I never saw her i that, that was the whole thing that I wasn't aware of these ghostly images at all until recently when my sister explained it to me, so I was totally surprised and so now I'm looking forward to seeing her when I get the, get back to the house and start restoration and take you know take the purchase of it. Well, the city, is, the, Michael Lynch, who did the uh, sizzle reel and came in and did the investigation, did a lot of research on the town. Um, there's a there's a family called the Waddells, who were like the richest family in town, and they built an incredible house which is across the street from my grandma's house, which was their main residence, and it was. Like you know, multi stories, a ballroom on the second floor. I mean, really an incredible property. And then every time one of their kids would get married, they would build them a home in town. So there's four houses, similar, three other ones similar to the one that my grandma owned. And Michelle, across the street, what, what was the uh, what was the uh, the house across the street used as?
1: Oh uh, well, when we were there, uh, when we were young, it was uh, it was used as kind of a I don't want to say mental institution, but it was for some It was kind of uh, a hospital for um, mental patients. I don't think there was anybody. I really don't know that much. I wasn't allowed on the grounds, but I I could see the patients on on the grounds from across the street, and um, and everybody kind of just stayed away from it. We saw the house the last time we visited. It needs repair, but it was just a gorgeous home.
0: And there's a tunnel that goes from our house to that house under the road. We just found that out recently. Well, the town itself has a lot of historical stuff going on. There was basically it was a big coal mining situation. There were some Shanghais going, on, shanghai shanghaiing going on for people for labor. It was also there was a lot of um, in the in the late 1800s there was a lot of you know like late slave stuff going on. So there was an interesting an interesting uh, bit of history. Jesse James was in the area. There was caverns and just a lot of stuff aside from just my grandma's house. The whole area. Is very very deep in historical and paranormal activity.
2: Wow! But Michelle, wow, it Just that's an incredible place to grow up. Did you did you guys collectively spend like summers there? And
1: I spent quite a bit of time with my grandmother. We were really close, um, and she was she taught me a lot about. She was an antique collector from the time she was a child, and she had three stores. And she she actually did several estate sales when she sold that house because it was it was enormous. She had so much so much stuff the house was just packed with antiques and um so uh yeah we were really close and i was i i loved being there it was it was different being born and raised in california to be in missouri in the winter it was freezing but um when butch and i visited although he said he's never felt anything in the house i was never allowed to go into the basement and um we we took the we took the trip to the basement when when we were there, and but you were freaked out. Don't lie. <laughs>
0: it was it was scary down there. Yeah, it was scary. It was it was very interesting, very cold and clammy, and it, it looked a lot like Grandpa's dungeon in the Munster house. <laughs> it really did.
1: And and our cameras wouldn't work down there. They worked everywhere in the house but the basement. They just went dead. So did the phone. Very weird.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow. But hey, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on. Um, sure. Yeah. I know Sophia has more questions for Butch. I know it was last minute too and everything. But uh, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, just that's just exciting history. I know. Yeah. This is all ghosts all the time on our, you know. But it was just like, wow. You know. Thanks for coming on and everything. And uh, I know. Yeah. Sophia's got some more questions there. But yeah. Just hold just one moment. I'm trying to get things. Yeah. God, everything's just working slow. in the, and the. Oh, Sophia, are you there? Hi. Oh, there you are. Hey.
3: Um, Mr. Patrick, what are the plans for the Macon, Missouri location? And, uh, like, yeah, about it, like, what are your ultimate goals for the residents?
0: Well, there's a couple things going on there that I'm really am looking forward to. One of us is just the fact getting the house and putting it back into the condition it was prior to the last owner, um, like Michelle remembers the house very accurately, so it'll be help- she'll be very helpful in restoring the floor plan to its original floor plan because it was going to be made into a bed and breakfast, and they had altered some of the walls and this and that. So first things first will be to remove everything and start over and put it back to its original state. Second, secondly, uh, instead of having a bed and breakfast, which is really an ongoing you know, day-to-day job, which would really take a lot of effort, I'm going to offer... Um, three-day adventures on my property to people that are paranormal fans and Munster fans to so where every six to eight weeks, I think I'll have a mixer, invite, say, 100 people in, let them mingle around, stay on the property, and then during that uh, weekend, I'm going to record my, my show, which I want to do a radio show as well, a syndicated show, and it's going to feature music from, of a paranormal nature and music from the other side. So what we'll have is we'll have a bunch of Munster fans paranormal fans, a few celebrities on the property, and we'll have like a little weekend. uh, Instead of a B&B breakfast, it will be more of a bed and barbecue situation to uh, do a mixer and invite people onto the property. The interesting thing about it is the fact that the whole city, the town of Macon, all 5,000 people, will basically play a part in it because during that weekend we're going to visit the town and go around and, and, and really include the city into this function because it is kind of like the most famous house in town. Wow. Also,
2: too, Michelle, while we have you here, too, you guys, I, I see, like, online and everything, a lot of pictures of you guys both collectively at events, and, and you're supportive, too, I see, you know, Michelle. And do um, you guys both collectively have some events or things that, you're, that you have coming up for the summer season?
0: Well, Michelle, Michelle's been really, not to jump in on so Michelle's been extremely supportive of my sobriety. She was right there at the get-go when I first went in. And we were somewhat estranged, you know, not really when we were together, but I, was, I wasn't really all there for a long time. So when I got sober, right. we, we really started spending a lot of time together and, we, you know, kind, kind of catching up for lost time, so to speak. As far as the, 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 the circuit for me is I travel extensively. Michelle lives near – she's in Manhattan Beach, California, and she lives near the airport. So whenever I travel, she takes me to the airport. But at the same time, she's got a business of her own, to run, so I pretty much am the one that takes off and does these shows. Although she has accompanied me to do a few of them, and, and we may start doing some more. But KeysToMyCastle.com is her company, and it's a really great company. She's got, you know, extremely. She's extremely talented with this. Um, it's called almost like. Well, you tell them what you have, Michelle.
1: Well, a lot of the events I attend to is butches for Exposure for my product because it's so unusual. Most people have never seen what I do. I, I, it was inspired by my grandmother's house, and, and it was a promise I made to her when I was a little girl when I was with her that I uh, collected skeleton keys, and I, I thought it was just, ridiculous that we all carry these very generic almost industrial looking keys and there's nothing creative or uh, artistic about them like the old skeleton keys used to always represent the family crest or something to do with the home and are the person that carried it so i I started making keys keys to my castle are actual key blanks you cut to your home but they look like jewelry there's over 300 designs now i actually did the wolf wolf key for butch and I, uh, I, did, I did spot as well. So he does take the keys to events, and he does show them, and he does sell them. So he does, he's helped tremendously with the exposure. Trying to introduce a new product is really difficult. When people don't know what they're looking for, they're not going to Google it. So that's what that's about.
0: Uh, m- oh. Mr.
3: Patrick, talk about yeah. resident, uh, pers- can you tell us about the personal experiences of Stephen Keithley and his wife and your grandmother's former
0: residents? Uh, The Keithley's lived there for 18 years. I had gone by and visited the house about 25 years ago with the people that lived there prior to the Keithley's. Then when I went back to visit it recently, a friend of ours, Carolyn Wiggins, who still... One of the interesting things about going back to Macon, a lot of the people that I went to school with and Michelle knew still live there. So there's definitely a returning home flavor to it. It's not like, you know... um, Let me put it this way. You can't write this kind of script where there's a haunted, beautiful old house that Eddie Munster lived in as a kid with his little sister that's haunted that you can't – this is like – the way to pitch this was imagine um, Eddie Munster in the Twilight Zone and Andy and Mayberry all combined into a show, which is the (laughs) small town city kid comes back to his childhood roots, and the big house on the corner that everybody knows that was Grandma Greenstreet's house that Eddie Munster and his sister lived in is available – and it happens to be haunted. It's quite a story.
3: So, among the several venues and expos genres that you're affiliated with, from horror to sci-fi to the paranormal field, tell us about the tattoo conventions that you now attend and are associated with and how that came about.
0: Uh, A gentleman, I've known uh, one particular person in general whose name is Tony Rodriguez. He's known as Tattoo Tony. He's been a friend of mine for about ten years, and he... uh, the rock star brett michaels uh he's also sober myself so he got sober about eight or nine years ago and he's brett michaels tattoo artist and one thing led to another and i started going to a few tattoo conventions one was on the east coast uh, in philadelphia with him then my pink gentleman the guy named chris with area 51 tattoos in oregon created two monster colors for me now he's got a tv show that's being shot as we speak so with him on the West Coast and Tony on the East Coast, and then Tattoo Bob with the Munster Mash um, ink cleaning system that I'm endorsing and I'm a partner with is in the Midwest. So what happens is over the last few months, I did one tattoo convention in Philly, one tattoo convention on the West Coast in Eugene, Oregon, and now, believe it or not, next month I'll be in Liverpool at a tattoo convention from uh, May 14th to the seventies. Wow, cool. Geez. Yeah. So what are some of your
3: favorites?
0: Oh, go ahead. Sophia, I'm sorry, but one of the interesting fits for me with this convention and this industry is that over the years, so many people have come up to me and shown me my image as Eddie Munster or the Munsters having been tattooed on them. I must have seen thousands over the years. So it's very interesting how many people who are Munster fans have actually inked the images of me or my family members onto their bodies. And that's why it's a very interesting and comfortable fit for me to be associated with the ink industry. So what are some of your favorite shows, books,
3: magazines, or broadcasts regarding the paranormal field, old or new today?
0: Uh, You know, I'm I'm actually just getting comfortable in the paranormal industry because I've never, you know, I I sort of have been to a lot of uh, high-profile paranormal places. I've been to the Queen Mary, the Roosevelt Hotel, Villa Montezuma, Whaley House, et cetera, et cetera, and I've been in areas and felt the chills when I speak about it and the hair on the back of my neck stands up. So I know I've been around these paranormal uh, ghostly images. I just never have physically seen one. But as far as right. shows go, as far as shows go uh, you know, uh, Taps and Ghost Hunters and things like that uh, pique my curiosity. My sister watches a lot of the shows she, because she's actually physically seen it and seen one. She, um, Michelle, what shows do you enjoy?
1: Oh, I, I, I mean I watch everything. I I, I, I get really I, well, I like I'm I'm one of the few people that probably have ever seen seen every scary movie in the entire world. But I, I was brought into that as an infant. I mean Butch would come home from the studios with you know, the creature of the black lagoon mouth or the mummy and, you know, terrorize me at from very early age, so nothing really yeah. scares me anymore.
3: <laughs> so Mr Patrick and Michelle, what is the term? Afterlife mean to you, and where do you believe that place to exist? Life,
0: you know, I have my own interesting sort of a thing on that. I was just speaking to someone the other day who, sort of, he's a he's a movie producer and a filmmaker himself, and he said because I was explaining to him about the house and the paranormal activity, and he says, you know, I was this was explaining to me, and he goes, here's why I believe in that today. He goes, literally, you can't understand how a uh, television screen works or a cell phone works, but it's all electrical impulses and charges that are being sent around the globe that are receptors and certain people, like Bonnie Bent explained this to me, I said, how does it work for you? And she goes, I feel like I'm a radio receiver and I'm picking up messages, electrical messages from people. And Kevin right. He, uh, Kevin, explains the fact that he's been addressing it was explained to him in such a manner that he could understand that people basically are little electrical batteries, you know we're, we're, we're our, our beings are electrical we're, we're little electric people and once we pass just because our physical body goes, doesn't mean that the um, that the that the energy remains.
3: What what about for you, Michelle? I, I I
1: felt that there was something else going on, and you know, I mean, I think everyone has has moments like that. You think about somebody you haven't talked to in six months and they call you an hour later. I mean, there's so many coincidences like that that they just really can't be coincidences. And and, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Butch, weren't you on the Queen Mary? Didn't you have an experience there?
0: Yeah, the Queen mm-hmm. Mary was, uh, myself, yeah, on the Queen Mary we were doing an investigation and basically there's this, this a large room where so many people and so many, this was a bon event, by the way, and we were supposed to be there and uh, I felt myself being pushed. You know, you could actually—the the, the ship is obviously aboard, and it's very calm, but yet you're you're moving back and forth as if the ship is at sea. And it was from apparently all the people and the, you know, from the other side gathering in this one spot, and they would recreate the ocean feel. And you would by just yeah. by nature stand still, you would be shoved back and forth, which was very weird. I've had that. I've, uh, when I was back east in the Connecticut area, that's a very high high uh, density paranormal area too, because of all the Civil War deaths. And this person has right. an old farm from the late 1700s, and he was constantly getting a lot of activity. He had a lot of the ghost people come out to his place because he had really physical activity in his uh, spring house, which was the old well house, which was going on. And it was just it became very commonplace and a regular occurrence. It's like the people, you know, out in uh, Mexico with aliens, you know what I'm saying, and with with spaceships, it's it's commonplace in certain places.
3: So, what upcoming appearances, events, websites, books, interviews, or productions would you like to mention?
0: Well, my my schedule is on monsters.com. You can just go to that. I'm starting to, you know, book more paranormal stuff, I'm going to start, you know, once I step into this arena, I, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that I would like to educate myself more to and be more visible with the paranormal activity, but I'm also doing a lot of film festivals now. Last year, I did a couple of zombie movies, and around October, uh, haunted attractions, as you might expect, become come into play quite often, so I'm packaging that, and I have uh, some tattoo conventions, as you know. <laughs> We go into Australia in uh, in June to go visit my friend. We I sell and I ship cars down there, muscle cars, because the Munsters had the coolest cars on television, and I do a lot of yeah. car-related shows as, as well, which is really right in my comfort zone because I'm a, I'm an old gearhead myself, and I ride Harleys and I like, you know, old American old American muscle cars. Um, books and stuff. The Munster Memories book is coming out. Hopefully, the TV show or something from The property in Macon, Missouri will develop, like I say, into a syndicated radio show slash television show of some sort. And if not, we'll still have our mixers on the property, and uh, it'll give people a chance to come visit me in person and and check check out the house. And I'm sure I'll meet a lot more interesting people that will come with their ghost stories as well.
2: I'm sure if you build it, they will come.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, we know uh, David Oman with the uh,
2: property of the uh, Manson site murders, and uh, he has tours all the time, and they're they're very fruitful. He has another one coming up uh, May tenth, and and um, he always has our, us out there too to kind of you know fill people in on some of the history and things. But uh, yeah, I I can see that being. Just fantastically um, embraced and uh, Michelle. So you, you have it's keys to my castle, right? Keys to my dot com. Yeah. Okay. Keys to my dot com for Michelle Lilly, and I have that link and which uh, is monsters. dot com, the merchandise page, yeah. uh, the Facebook. I have all the links posted in the chat room right now, and also too for the making mm-hmm. project sizzler reel. And um, guys, thank you so much. And pleasant surprise. Oh, go ahead. Yes.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I was going to mention something. To you. you said something about the Mansons, did you not? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Our yeah. David Holman. He. Uh,
0: uh, our family farm was next door to Old Man Spawn's farm out in Newhall. My aunt's maiden name was Spawn, Georgia Spawn. She married. Oh, my she goodness. married our uncle Jack Lilly, yeah. John Lilly. <laughs> uh, wow. So when we When we were kids, Charlie was a neighbor. Wow. I can hear
3: my mom outside going, Jerry. "Wow."
0: Thank
2: you so much, everyone. Well, thank you guys so much. And, Michelle, thanks for coming on. Pleasant surprise, mm-hmm. and again, Thank and you. this is the Ghost Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I'm John Temporelli, co-author and editor of Heaven Can You Hear Me by the late-famed Fox Sighting Psychic and legendary paranormal researcher Peter James. Uh, coming up uh, next week, we have, oh, uh, no, coming up, we have uh, CAPS team founding paranormal researchers as seen on History Channel's Curse of Oak Island. They'll be sharing never-before-aired EVP of the uh, famed uh, Money Pit in Nova Scotia. Uh, that will be coming up May 31st. The Ghost Host Sophia Temporelli, is going to be celebrating her third-year anniversary here on LiveParanormal.com. It will be a broadcast spectacular, and it's going to have all the uh, field expert guests calling in, sharing sentiments. Also, too, we have feature film actor and paranormal investigator Chad Lindbergh will be on the show. as seen on uh, Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures June 28th. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. Also, the paranormal doesn't have to stop here right now today, and uh, we have coming up today starting at 5 Uh, Let's see here. Oh, here we go. 5 p.m. Pacific, My Paranormal Experience, Boundaries of Reality, Raven's Nest, Vampire Radio, Paranormal Insomniacs after our webcam, Mike Chat uh, tonight on WhyParanormal.com and HistoryFM. Sophia, congratulations on coming up on three years of broadcasting here. 18 plus.